0: Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe.
2: A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it?
3: I did it because I was foolish.
2: Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on revolverpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, What's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: Oh, good day to you. Monday, November 19th, 2018. Thanksgiving week for many of us. Americans, so the Fox Sports crew, at least three-fourths of them, I think, in studio today. Ken Flo's back in Los Angeles, and if you bet the proposition that Ken Flo would be wearing a hat to begin the show today, <laughs> cash those tickets, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Spoke B, so we're proud you're repping the Boston Bruins. Dude, what's up with the lettuce on television this weekend? I mean, I'm not going to bury the lead.
1: Yeah. Listen, there's a reason I got the hat on. I mean, uh, <laughs> Ken, Ken Fro was in full effect, oh. dude. I did. I didn't have time. I came from Boston last minute, didn't have time for a haircut. And, man, I feel like I had it under control at the weigh-in show, but it was uh, at the the pre- and post-fight show where it just uh, – I mean, all hell broke loose. The, the hair was all over the place, kid.
0: Oh, those last 18 Oof. hours. See, I don't know – that reality, right? I am a man, but I have been cutting my hair off. You know, I was bicking my head bald at 14 years old. So I don't understand what it's like to be in a situation where it's like, Oh shit, I'm on TV. I didn't have time to get my hair cut. I just shaved my fucking head. You know, Um, like we were in Australia calling Tiago Alves, Martin Camden back in the day. And my clippers, I was cutting my hair caught on fire. So Mm. I bicked my head with a razor and I went on TV. Obviously you can't do that. Your hair pays the bills. I understand that. But I do. I mean, I couldn't even watch the post-fight show. I was so distracted by your hair.
1: I mean, I'm not going to pretend to to be anywhere close to a model, but the, the well, hair kind of saves me, kid. If I have a shaved head, like it's disgust. You're repulsed just looking no, at me. The hair, no. the hair just helps just that little bit. Where he's like, he's not completely disgusting. He's just a little bit which is I, good.
0: I, hey, I, I yeah. like to give you a hard time because nobody takes it better than you. Uh, <laughs> and and at least the wardrobe was on point, you know, yeah. uh, fashion forward me. and everything else. But uh, all right, so a lot to get to today. Ray Longo is back. I spoke with him this morning. He is excited to be back. And I know he appreciated the response from all of you after the passing of his mother. Uh, and we also got picks coming up on Beijing this weekend. We didn't want to go dark for you Thanksgiving week. So uh, quick show today. Let's get to it. And let's start with a UFC main event flow that, as usual, has a lot of different... Oof layers to it, Santiago Ponzanibio over Neil Magny. And I think you got to start with Santiago Ponzinibbio's performance and the body of work overall in the UFC, but not that this is a signature win for him, right? Cause I still would argue that the Gunnar Nelson win is more of a signature win resume wise but this was a near-perfect performance, and he got the finish, he got the bonus, and, and certainly put himself on the short list of contenders, which was the goal going in Saturday night. Uh,
1: you know, I would agree with you partially on, on the Gunnar Nelson fight. The fact that, obviously, that was a big name, and that was a huge challenge. Obviously, there was controversy with that kind of headbutt or whatever happened there. But, um, yeah, that was a huge win for him. And some people might have been doubting the UFC and saying, well, why the hell is Santiago Ponzinibbio, besides the fact that it's in Argentina, why is he heading up a main event? When you see him fight, and you see him fight consistently, you totally understand why. This is a guy who continually will try to back you up and will pursue the finish from start to finish. This guy, he moves forward. Uh, He's always just out of reach of your punches, even against a guy like Magny, who has an 80-inch reach. Um, He was able to out-jab Magny, partially uh, because of that hurt eye of Magny. I know he was probably seeing double early on, but still, the fact that he was able to get in the pocket and land some huge shots on Magny, a true veteran of the game, with that kind of reach, with that kind of footwork, I thought was extremely impressive. He has that high-pressure, exciting style, and I think he's going to find himself in more main events in the future. Uh, Magny was a big challenge. He's not an easy guy to beat. You look at some of the guys that Magny has beaten, um, those are some elite guys. Kelvin Gastelum, um, Carlos Condit, a former champion, uh, Johnny Hendricks, a former champion. Um, He is not an easy guy to beat. You saw the kind of adversity that he dealt with against Hector Lombard when he came back. So uh, the fact that Ponsonibia was able to get it done – and dominate from the beginning to the end and get a spectacular uh, knockout finish was just uh, mind-blowing.
0: And it wasn't as though Ponzinibbio was a minus 600 favorite, but you're right. This is what you need to do. You need to dominate these guys in these type of fights, even though Santiago Ponzinibbio was ranked 10 coming in and Neil Magny was ranked 8. You got to put these guys away as he did in the end. As far as Neil Magny is concerned, you know, he chose to play the outside game for whatever reason, paid for it dearly, Kenny. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was in survival mode 60 seconds into this fight, largely because of the jab to the right eye. But shortly thereafter, the leg kicks, you know, reared their ugly head. It seemed like this thing could have ended at any given time with one leg kick here or there, as as Jimmy Smith referenced on the broadcast. But for Neil Magny... Um, got to be some criticism for the approach, at least to my amateur eyes, as to what he brought to the table in this particular matchup.
1: Yes, absolutely. Listen, he was backing straight up. He was uh, really backing himself up against the cage, which I don't think was a good idea. Um, at the very least, instead of just backing straight up, he should have been moving laterally or just shot a takedown. Try to put Pantonebio on his back. He's not exactly known uh, for uh, having a great guard, at least, that, that we've seen. He typically right. stands up and trades, and um, I think Magni is competent enough to do some damage with his ground and pound and with his brown belt and Brazilian Jitsu stay out of the submission game of Pantonebio, but Um, you know, yeah, and the fact that he was out-jabbed consistently, and and the numbers kind of indicate that that Ponsonibio at range is going to be extremely difficult to beat. Um, He has very educated eyes. He's very good at reading what you're going to throw. He's very good at staying just out of range, and as you mentioned, those leg kicks were absolutely brutal. Uh, I I remember I talked to Tyron while we were watching the fight at the desk, and I said, I'm so glad that when I was fighting, the calf kick wasn't that in-fashion technique, because it really is a very difficult thing to deal with. You can't lift up your leg like a traditional uh, leg block uh, against a, a Muay Thai kick. You actually have to keep your foot planted and turn your knee out to block it. So you got to eat those calf kicks. If you lift it up, it takes you right out. It almost acts as a sweep. And they hurt like hell, as you could tell from Magny's oh. lead leg. A- and I thought I thought that Ponsonibia should have attacked way more with that leg kick. If I see a guy yeah. that's hurt, I'm throwing right. that every other
0: strike and at least right. finish your combinations right. with that right. with that kick. Right. Well, see, and that comes back to and people think I kick your ass. Right. But you're going in there to kill you. You're trying to break Magny's leg. Absolutely. And for one reason or another, loves his hands or otherwise. Yeah. Wasn't trying to break his leg. And as far as Herb Dean is concerned in the fight, perhaps he's thinking Magny Lombard, right? We've seen mm-hmm. Neil Magny come back from adversity. You want to give the fighter every benefit yeah. of the doubt, maybe some criticism to be levied at, at Elliot Marshall and the guys in the corner at three and a half minutes to go in that fourth round with one of those leg kicks. He could barely get up and he's limping around. I understand the fighter is going to say flow always after the fact, Oh, I, you know, I would have been more disappointed if my corner had thrown in the towel, um, I don't know which side I fall on this. I didn't think there was any major referee error here, Mm. uh, but certainly could the fight have been stopped sooner? Um, Would I like to see more fights stop because of a leg kick, you know, that renders a guy, you know, one legged? Yeah, I probably would.
1: Listen, I I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. I I think it's very tough to win any fight when you have one leg, right? I mean, you could see that Magny wasn't able to really lean on that lead leg uh, and I think that's another reason why he kind of was just backing up against the cage. And we saw that with Robbie Lawler when he hurt his knee uh, yeah. in the fight against Dos Anjos. He basically had one, uh, one decision, one option, just back up against the cage and try to land a big shot with his hands. Um, he really was pretty much rendered ineffective. Uh, and even then, if you have one leg out there, you can only put weight on your back leg how much power are you going to generate in your punches? So right, I think right. I think there is some truth to that, that perhaps the corner should have stopped the fight a little early, but they know their fighter best, and Magny was doing a good job of, of kind of hiding that limp once he got to his feet a little yep. bit. It was tough yep. for him to get to his feet, but he was masking it a little bit, so that's a tough one. That, that's a tough yeah. one. I certainly would have had an issue, though, would not have had an issue if the corner stopped that.
0: Over-the-top toughness, as usual, for Neil Magny, and you certainly want to give him credit for that, but not a great matchup for him. I think in some respects the odds reflected that. And and Ponzanibio's moving on up. And the body of work, so he's won seven in a row and I, I reference the signature win because when you sort of put together now back-to-back-to-back to back to back, Gunnar Nelson, Platinum Mike Perry, Neil Magney, you know, there's not a Carlos Condit in there. There's yeah. not a Robbie Lawler in there. But it's a pretty good body of work. You know, Nordine Taleb, Zach Cummings, Court McGee before them. There have been some injuries, obviously, well-documented with Ponzinibbio. But now when you look at where he is, he'll be at least number eight in the world. And you look at the guys above him, Damian Maya, Kamara Usman, Robbie Lawler, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, Rafael Dos Anjos, Darren Till, number two. And then, of course, Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. Ponzinibbio, to your point, more than likely getting a main event title eliminator type fight. I think Steven Wonderboy Thompson is a guy who's not matched up would seem to make a lot of sense right now. Um, What do you think is next for Ponzinibbio? And is it fair to say he's a dark horse and somebody that could actually finish the job and run the table and, and beat your boy T. Wood?
1: I don't think he can beat, uh, someone like a Tyron Woodley. Uh, I think that, uh, Tyron just has way too much power and he'd also, uh, rely on his wrestling to probably get it done as well. Um, I think that's a tough matchup for him. Can he get to the, uh, you know, get to the, 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 the dance against Tyron Woodley? Yes. Will he beat Tyron Woodley? I don't believe so. Um, and again, that fight against, uh, Wonderboy, I think it would be a fantastic fight. It would be a true test of his skills. It's hard to say where Wonderboy is at this point uh, in his career. You know, um, what's his motivation like? You know, with Tyron Woodley still being the champ. Um, you know, coming off of that loss against Darren Till. I listen. I, I still think he probably won that fight by a hair. Um, but those are kind of those kind of fights that really could. Can break you a little bit mentally. I don't think that's the case with Wonder Boy just yet. That's yeah. a tough matchup. I think a matchup that might make sense is a guy like a Damian Maya, a veteran of the game, a guy who's going to test him. Uh, certainly going to test his grappling skills to see yeah. uh, if he's got the wrestling to stop it and if he's uh, if he has the defense on the ground if that fight does hit the
0: mat. So I think that would be an interesting match and, and possibly a Darren Till. I all yeah. I think the Till fight makes sense. I also think if, if you're Ponzinibbio let this division play out a little bit, mm. right? Obviously, in the next few weeks, you have a main event between Rafael Dos Anjos and Kamaru Usman. Uh, see if maybe they book Covington against Tyron Woodley, if yep. Jorge Masvidal and, and Diaz is a fight that gets made, right? See how some of these fights play out, Robbie Lawler, Ben Askren, and then maybe try to call your shot. But Pantonebio's in the mix, and if you know about what he went through with the broken arm on the Ultimate Fighter back in the day, you're, you're happy to see this guy this close to contention. And I think he's got a style... That really resonates with people as well. So congrats to Santiago Ponzinibbio and also to the cut man, Rob Monroe. You know, when you're part of this UFC traveling road circus and, and it's it's a shit show. It is right. But you you get close with people on the crew, cut men, referees. And to see Santiago Ponzinibbio acknowledge Rob Monroe's workflow in this situation and acknowledge that with the headbutt, Rob Monroe helped keep him in the fight that's what these guys do this for, right? It's certainly not for the paycheck. Rob Monroe will tell you that, right? But he's one of the best in the game. Got a chance to prove it in a main event. And more importantly than anything else, Kenny, he got the acknowledgement from the professional athlete that is really what these guys live for.
1: Well, it's kind of like the referee and the judges. When they do a fantastic job, you don't really talk about them at all. You know, when they do a terrible job, you know, the spotlight is on him to say how bad of a job they did, all that stuff. So really, uh, it is such a difficult job, but they really do say, fighters out there you know it was a huge um part of you know my mindset heading into a fight knowing that i had a good corner as opposed to a bad corner a good cut man as opposed to a bad cut man um it just puts you at ease um at both before the fight and during the fight and uh rob did an absolutely fantastic job there with Poncebio.
0: Not enough credit for the cutmen men and the referees because you got coaches like Raymond Peter Longo just <laughs> taking all the fucking credit. Uh, Ray Longo's back. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute.
3: It's now time for the Ray Longo
2: Minute. I'm to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray
3: Longo. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: I mean, would you save some credit for the referees and the cut men, Ray? <laughs> I
2: love everybody, especially, especially Rob Monroe. He's really, yeah. really good guy.
0: Hey, so uh, it's great to have you back, man. This it's audience great. missed you. I hope you felt the love and the support out there. We're happy to see your face and, and have you back, man.
2: Yeah, thanks, man. I, then I 100% felt the love. It was overwhelming, and I'm grateful for, uh, for everybody. So thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, great feeling.
0: So I know in your world, it just keeps on rolling. You were on a plane to Oklahoma on Wednesday. You cornered uh, Mizuki way I hope I pronounced her name right, in, in Invicta yes. FC. A huge win over UFC veteran Viviani Pareda. And there's so much crazy shit happened on the way to this win, right? There was a weight miss because of some circumstances. Uh, a Japanese interpreter. Basically, the listeners are telling me, if I didn't lead with this with you today, <laughs> I was going to pay for it. So... Crazy week for you, but you got the desired result there in Oklahoma.
2: Exactly. But, you know, listen, so we had Suzuki in Argentina, so the interpreter tells me at the last minute he's not making Oklahoma, but he'll try to find me somebody, which he never did. And, like, again, with Mizuki, she's awesome. She's a hard worker. In the gym, it's easy. You know, jab, cross, one, two. Everybody understands that head movement, uh, you know, faking and... That's not a problem. If I ask her what time the bus is coming, that's not happening, Kenny. I mean, like, there's no communication. So it was really, it was really weird. I mean, and uh, I got to tell you, like, so the girl, you know, again, if there's an interpreter there or there's communication, she's not missing the weight. You know, she was full energy. She, She just miscalculated the time. I couldn't talk to her, I wanted her hitting a little more. Uh, you know, we waited till the end and, you know, she was off by 0. 0.4. And I got to tell you, that poor kid dropped to her knees. And if she had a sword, Kenny, she would have committed Harry Carey. Girl. I mean, this is like, again, I'm always criticizing the weight thing. This wasn't an advantage, nothing like that. Uh, she right. really, it was, it was really a lack of communication and it, it kind of sucked because, wow. uh, but she took the time to prepare, I'll tell you how good it was, Kenny, she took the time to prepare a speech in English, I see her rehearsing something before the fight, I look at it, it's an apology for not making way, it's all she cared about, no, wow. I'm not even kidding.
1: That's so crazy. She
2: apologizes after the fight, she gets a standing ovation, that's how sincere this kid wow. was, it'll never happen again, I miss. you know, it really was a mistake, and I'll probably get beat up for saying that, but, yeah, you know, there was no communication at all, and... uh she didn't even have a tub in the room. I mean, it, it was Jeez. like, again, like the fighting part is, 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 is okay. But to communicate simple stuff, like I went to get some neat, the, the waitress saw me leave her. And she said, you know, the day before it took like an hour to find out what she wanted to eat. They finally <laughs> ended up with chicken and rice. No, you you take that boy, for granted. TJ, yeah. yeah. our Boy, TJ DeSantis and a couple other guys. I met so many nice people on this trip and Victor did a great job with it. And, uh, They got me to use Google Translate. So I'm going to be the first guy using Google Translate in the corner. (laughs) It's a corner. And then at the last minute, Kenny, we're in the dressing room. This guy that cornered, uh, I think his name was Terry. He was a Japanese guy, Steven. He was an awesome dude. He came over. He said, I speak Japanese. And I got to tell you, the guy saved the day. Wow. To me, saved the day because he made everything easier. And uh, it was a great fight. Uh, fantastic use of the jab can you should look at the fight you'd enjoy it she was in and out faking consistent the whole fight had a couple of takedowns i mean it was good really a, a great fight she's a great kid with a great personality and you know a year from today i believe she'll be speaking english
1: she goes to english class and, that's uh, awesome
2: she's trying she's uh just a sincere kid
1: and you were lucky that the translator spoke long island that's great
2: Oh that guy, hey, he was, yeah. He, he was the best. He didn't want to overstep his boundaries. I go, there's no yeah. overstepping your boundaries here. Yeah. You know, whatever. He <laughs> said, But you want me to repeat everything you you're saying? I go, Exactly. He was the guy was perfect. That's awesome. You know. He's so. a little a
0: little star struck by, by Hollywood Ray Longo, I think, like yeah. the rest of us though. Which is understandable. <laughs> I think he, I might have got him a little bit. I was trying yeah. to relax
2: the guy. I sent him into the ring. I go, You gotta go in and interpret <laughs> what she said. He did a Ralph Crandon. Hum na hum na hum just go. You know, if you watch him, he's, he starts uh. fluttering in there. But great kid. Uh, shout out to Steve. Uh, it was a great trip. Uh, you know, I got to see a buddy of mine who was a Navy SEAL back in the day, and he's doing great. And, you know, just you know, shout out to Huey Mullain. He's a freaking hero and uh, downplays the Navy SEAL thing. I'm like, dude, everybody's cashing in on this. He's just, he's uh. just a humble guy, man. What a, and That's the a, real he, deal right there. Yeah. All right, all right, let me tell you something. Uh, can he trust me? you know he's he's still a little out of his mind so look i might be a little late i'm gonna try to make up some time and he sent me a picture of his odometer 121 (laughs) he was in a hellcat the guy's still he's an adrenaline junkie that's funny he was a mad hatter in the day he was good friends with the first kickboxing champ i ever trained mike ryan and those guys together were uh they were a dynamic duo in that neighborhood, man. They were, they were crazy. But <laughs> great, great, great American dude, man. He's just a good guy. It was so good catching up with him. Man. I haven't seen him in 20 years. That's awesome. Wow,
0: that's cool. Yeah. Uh, So the smart money was on you not going to Argentina at a corner Uluka Sasaki, and I just say that to try to be funny, of course, like I know how much you respect him and and what you thought he could bring to this flyweight division that's future is now obviously in question. Uh, So he lost to Alessandre Pantoja. It was a quick fight, obviously. You've seen it at this point in time. Your thoughts on Sasaki and, and what he does moving forward, given what we're hearing as to the future of the 25ers?
2: I got to tell you, I think I think those guys are all getting their walking papers, which is the harsh reality of almost corporate America. And I love that division. And it kind of hits home because I see him and Mizuki's got a brother who's in the UFC is over here and he's going to be gone. So, uh, I, you know, like, again, all of a sudden, Ally Acquinter isn't looking too bad with a, with a business on the side. So they could let him go tomorrow. He's going to be fine. So I think that's the the message now is man everybody better have a backup plan because this is a harsh reality man to let a lot of guys go like that you know i mean they already cut the staff uh man like again i really like the division i mean even Suzuki's fight for as short as it lasted, was exciting you know they went at it right in the center of the ring and the guy went right. for a takedown Suzuki had his moments on top a little bit he made one mistake gave up his yeah. back and uh you know, my heart goes out to him. But I thought it was it was it was a good fight for the time it lasted, and they all are. There's a lot of good guys at that weight.
1: Now, Ray, you talked about the division. Uh, it's not looking good for that division. But Sasaki, uh, although he didn't get the win, do you think they'll keep him around? He does have the height uh, yeah. to to move up to 135 pounds. Is that an option you think for him, or or, or do you think he specifically is going to get cut if he can't move up to 135?
2: No, no, no. He'd move up to 135 yeah. in a heartbeat. I still think they're going to cut him. That's my mm. gut feeling. I mean, I think uh, he might have even – I got to check with the magic, He might even have been told that. Oh, I wow. think he was told win or lose he was gone. So, I'm not sure oh, of that. Oh, I thought
1: that's what the interpreter told me. Well, that's not a lot of motivation.
2: <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> you I, know what I mean? You know. Well, I think yeah. that's why Pantoja called out – who did he call out? Cejudo? Right after, I mean, he's making a. He, call, he, oh, yeah. yeah, he, uh, oh, he called out Benavidez, Joe Benavidez. Oh, Benavides! Yeah, he called out. Oh, he like, called out Benavides. Yeah. How? Hey, right. look, I yeah. I don't know what's going for on. another yeah, flyweight fight. Yeah. Yeah. What is that about?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's he didn't get thinking. the memo.
2: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess not. Wow. Maybe just Suzaki got it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jeez. All right, last Let's thing before
0: we let you fly, Al Aquinta, less than a month out from his main event, Big Fox, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, against Kevin Lee. Of course, Quinta with a win over Kevin Lee in what was Lee's UFC debut. It's a fight he has wanted back. I can't wait to see it. The question for Al oftentimes not unlike the question for Weidman is health. What can you tell us about raging Ally Quinta here about three and a half, four weeks out?
2: Listen, I got off that plane from Oklahoma. I met him Saturday night, and I met him last night, Sunday night. I'm knocking on wood. He was—he's awesome right now, but you know, I just hope it stays that way. I wish the fight was next week. I really do because yeah. yeah. Picard pounds through my chest every time he's sparring and and everything else. But he is working like a maniac. He's very dedicated. He's a man on a mission. Uh, we know he brings it, you know, and it's—I—I'm I, excited for that fight. When definitely not underestimating Kevin Lee at all. He's a killer, so. We respect him. I think he's grown a lot since the first fight. That's going to have nothing to do with anything. These are two guys at a different stage of their careers and with uh, new tools. And I, I think it's I think that fight's going to be a great fight.
1: Ray, you know? quick quick question: When Ally Quinta is sparring, do you limit anything that his sparring partners can do uh, while they're sparring just to keep him healthy, or, or no? No,
2: nah, I haven't done that yet. Definitely not. Gotcha. Um, but I do, you know, we did a lot of boxing rounds. I, I try to do the sparring, I although I want it really hard, and that's a little, only because it's Alan. He, he's not happy unless he's going sure. hard. But I think boxing out of everything sometimes is the safest way to get that, you know, that shock treatment and know you're fighting and get banged around and right. get your timing down without getting crazy. So I'm going to say probably, you No, know, I've done it in the past. This time he's he's really feeling good. So that's great. So he's hard to stop, man. He's really... He's dialed in, man. So right, but what I told him today, take off today. Had two really brutal days, and I go, look, the rest is more important than the, than the, what you're doing. Yeah. Trust me. And if he's healthy, man, that's going to be a great fight.
0: All right. So your your holiday bonus, I think I got to check with Kenny. I think it's guaranteed to be like a thousand bucks. But what? you do have you do have oh an opportunity.
1: What is this guy, guy, is he's guy swimming some of in money, money over here, Kenny?
2: What are you, the Grinch that stole? Chris? Hey, <laughs> listen. Hey. He, did, he, he didn't
1: did. approve this with me, Ray. This is ridiculous. I
2: tell right. right, so you got to go through Kenny. Oh, we well,
1: discussed my. this before. This is uh, horrible.
0: I just tried to. I mean, qualify. he's good, I just tried uh, to go through Kenny. That's what I'm trying to Ray's do here, good. But, no, but I mean, come on. You did win. He did win some of this money <laughs> by right, going right. to Russia, right to Khor Merah or whatever right. you did, right? Like, but anyway, here's the deal. And, this weekend, and if I didn't have
2: Val fighting, I would have went to Argentina. I really have. I, I just no, went I, the trip would uh, have killed me. Uh
0: Oh, well, that you might. Hey, you might get up to two G's if you had done that. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. No, seriously though, uh, an opportunity to win a hundred dollars. You only lose twenty five if you're wrong. Uh, Francis and Ganu Curtis Blades main event in Beijing early in the morning. I think Saturday in the states. Who is the pick to click in Ganu uh, or Blades I'm, in the rematch? I'm, I'm taking Blades.
2: I think yeah. he corrects what he didn't do in the first round and. Mm. He's a good wrestler. He's gonna get that fight to the floor, tire him out, do what everybody else has done to him, and I'm going with
0: Blades on that. All right, we'll add it to the kitty if you get it right. Am I missing anything? I mean, I feel like it's been a lifetime. It's only been two weeks. Anything else before we let you fly?
2: Man, I hope I'm not screwing anything up. But a, but a big shout out to Mizuki, man. She's a sweetheart. If you get a chance, go back and go back and watch the fight. Perfect use of the jab, and a lot of head movement, a lot of fakes. It was a it was a really good fight against a. Uh, UFC vet who's tough and who's fought a lot of good people in the UFC. So, very excited. I think she'll be going into the UFC shortly.
1: The teller for 2019, uh, the Anakin Florian podcast, will be available in Japanese. So <laughs> yeah. tell It's great. Good news. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, and you're lucky
0: we're sending you that
1: $1,000. I was going to spend that all on socks, but that's fine. You take <laughs> it. That's It's good. That's all right.
0: Hey, you know uh, what? And maybe you both can spend money on haircuts before next week because right. if I Wait, show does, up and you both really are happen- looking like this. <laughs>
1: There's a, There's a reason I got different... this hat on, Ray. My hair yeah, you, is out of control.
2: If I tell you I get my hair cut every three weeks, I I think this is a good sign for me, though. My hair is still growing. Fast. Yeah, that is, a, is good a good sign. sign.
0: It's a good thing. I, hope I cut so, my own but... hair every four days. Seriously, though, if I show up in the seat next week and you both are still have the hair over the ears, essentially whatever we're dealing with, I'll get up. You could do the longo and Florian podcast, and I'll see you. You know. Around Christmas,
2: I've just got my hair cut. I don't believe this.
0: What's well, up with the ears, though, man? And the burns? No, it's yeah, the burns got go. it back. It's okay. Yeah, the burn. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get a, I gotta get a good hairstylist. <laughs> All right, thanks for the time, buddy. Great to see you. See you we'll see
2: in a week. All right, thanks, man. Thank you very much. Take care.
0: The great Ray Longo, it's hilarious, with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Man, you just never know the direction it'll go uh, with Ray Longo. Um, I don't know if we closed the book on Ponzinibbio. I think we did. So I guess we'll get to Ricardo Lamas and Darren Elkins. Um, You know, I guess one of my bigger takeaways was the referee and Keith Peterson doing a good job. But let's talk about Ricardo Lamas. Still has these championship aspirations, Kenny. And Mm -hmm. even though some will suggest that, that he lost a step and at times Elkins was maybe the faster fighter on the feet in this equation, I still think on any given Saturday night, The bully is a very tough out for almost everybody at 145 pounds. Max Holloway and Brian Ortega maybe would be the only outliers in that comment. Uh, and I think this is a big win o- over a very durable guy for Ricardo Lamas. And at the very least, 35, 36 years old, this preserves the dream a little bit longer for Ricardo Lamas as he tries to make one more run uh, to get that elusive UFC goal. Well,
1: Elkins is never an easy fight for anybody. He's always going to be a guy who's going to be in your face. He's very tough to finish. He might be bleeding in a fight, but he'll he'll oh. never uh, be taken out easily. And the fact that Ricardo Lamas was able to do that was very impressive, especially on the heels of you know not too long ago yes he had a win in between then but he suffered one of the most brutal knockouts you will see uh when he lost against Josh Emmett and yes he's experienced that before when he got knocked out by Chad Mendez but um that that knockout against Emmett was something different that's kind of the one that um really can get you to doubt what you're doing as a profession and uh Emmett just rocked him really badly. So when you're coming back from something like that, thankfully I I never had to deal with a knockout in my career, but um, that's a big gut check for you. There's a lot of fear that you need to overcome uh, coming off a knockout like that. Uh, And the fact that he's been able to get two wins now after this Elkins fight, I think, is very impressive. Um, I think this guy has some of the most underrated ground and pound, not just in the 145-pound division, but in the UFC period. Those elbows are absolutely brutal. And, you know, for those of you guys that forgot about it, go back and watch his fight against Eric Koch. Uh, Some of the nastiest ground and pound you will see. Uh, and he was able to do that again against Elkins, and I thought uh, uh, Keith Peterson did a fantastic job of stopping that fight. Just based on what was happening to Elkins throughout the fight, and that last kind of sequence of elbows um, could uh, have Elkins, you know, got back to his feet or maybe recover. Yes, but I think he was taking a lot of damage at that point, and uh, you know, there was no reason for it. He
0: he was losing that fight, and I don't, I didn't see it really turning around for him. Right. So Keith Peterson one of the best referees in the game, stopped the fight and and allows Darren Elkins to fight another day, even though if you said, you know, raise your hand if you don't want to see Darren Elkins absorb any more damage, yeah, you know, loud and proud, right? I mean, it's hard, certainly the way the last two have gone after the extended winning streak. But Keith Peterson, right? wrestled his way, and I'm reading from SureDog.com, wrestled his way through high school and college, won a Naga championship, won titles in Muay Thai and amateur MMA, uh, enshrined in the New Jersey Martial Arts Hall of Fame. I always introduce him as the no-nonsense Keith Peterson because he is nothing, Kenny, as you know, if not, no-nonsense, right? And yep. there's just no hesitation, right? Finally figured out the buzzword for me when it comes to these referees. They don't care if it's early. They don't care if it's late. It's decisiveness, no hesitation. And in this moment, you know, Keith Peterson on top of it as usual, and and on the podcast that loves to just give credit to referees and cupmen. You know, I thought Keith Peterson as usual on his ga- on his a game. Uh, again, it's important to do so,
1: John, and and I think Keith Peterson with that uh, combat sports background, I think that's why he really is one of the true elite referees in the game. Um, you know, it really does make a difference when you get a referee who has seen the different aspects of the sport, on the wrestling side, uh, the grappling side, uh, the submission side, the striking side of things. Um, he knows what he's doing and, and it's clear, and he does make very difficult decisions, look easy, um, and, and just another fantastic uh, uh, job in, in, in the octagon for. Him.
0: All right, also on the main card, a performance of the night winner, Johnny Walker Black. Johnny Oof, Walker Blue Johnny Walker Red what's the most expensive <laughs> Johnny Walker blue. Do you know Blue All right yes I So I mean good. how do I not if I right? get a, get blue? the opportunity yeah. to somebody in that studio knows yeah, right yeah. <laughs> Uh, I got like Jim beam downstairs. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so Johnny Walker fucking blue, man, you know, standing elbow knocks out Khalil Roundtree jr. Who obviously had a ton of momentum. Love this frame on this Johnny Walker and in a division that could not be more wide open. I know it's top heavy, right? With DC and Jones and Gustafson. Right. But you know, I mean, with the Dominic Reyes and the Tyson Pedro's, there is room for somebody to emerge and Hard to do the debut much better than Johnny Walker Blue did it this weekend.
1: Well, he's an intimidating force, that's for sure. Uh, you look at his frame. This is a guy who could easily fight at heavyweight, it seems. Um, just made uh, a guy who was used to be 300 pounds and Khalil Rountree look tiny out there. Um, oh. Six foot five, uh, you know, knows how to use it, and, and did a phenomenal job of utilizing that tie plum clinch. Um, And when you're taller and that much stronger than your opponent, it is really tough to get out. Obviously, we knew how effective Anderson Silva was in the middleweight division with it. Um, You know, just being a division up at six foot five, it's still going to be huge advantage. Um, He was able to dominate that neck control um, and it looked like he was threatening with the knee. Uh, and that's kind of why Khalil Rountree was kind of trying to posture up so he wouldn't get hit with the knee to the body or the right. face. It didn't matter. He went up and over the top beautifully, landed that elbow across uh, the ear or the temple, and it did, those are the kind of shots that take away your equilibrium uh, completely. It looks like you're kind of stepping in potholes there uh, in the octagon, and that's what happened to Khalil. Uh, and then as soon as he was hurt, it was just a beautiful finish there uh, by by. Uh, by Johnny. And, you know, from there, I I feel like uh, for Walker heading into that fight, I thought Roundtree was going to win that fight because Walker, to me, seems like he's still growing into his body to a certain extent. He yeah, gets a little right. wild. He he doesn't set his things up well, but he seemed way more patient in this fight against Roundtree. So to me, he showed uh, more maturity uh, and improvement in his game, no doubt about it. And if he continues on this path, he is going to be a tough guy to finish because he comes in there with a lot of confidence.
0: He was dancing uh, on his he way was. to the octagon, man. Oh, he was. No, he was ready to go. I th- I think I'm still growing into my body Ken Flo. Yeah, that's my I'm excuse growing, as well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking 40 years old, I'm a mess. Uh all right, so very cool that, that Johnny Walker got it done and pretty big setback for Khalil Roundtree Jr. after the Gokansaki Saki win yeah. to absorb a loss like this as as a 2 to 1 favorite, but uh excited to see Johnny Walker moving forward. A lot of people were excited to see him going in and certainly lived up to uh to the hype. Uh, Ian Heinisch, a big win over Cesar Mutanchi Fajeda, but I want to get to Cynthia Calvillo just in case we run out of time and then we can circle back to Cheeto Vera, Ian Heinisch, and get to his backstory. But Cynthia Calvillo, as an underdog here, defeats Poliano Botelho, very highly touted Brazilian. She does so by submission in round one. Um, but she does so after missing weight and doing so uh, for the world to see. Very hard visual of Calvillo barely able to, well, not able to get off the scale under her own power, essentially. Um, but as far as the performance on fight night is concerned, uh, absolutely what she needed after what was a pretty disastrous fight week in Friday for her, after what followed a, a lengthy suspension before this return.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Um, It, it was unfortunate, uh, the fact that she wasn't able to make weight Um, She seemed very apologetic about it. And, um, yeah, listen, the only thing she she had to do was go out there uh, and have an impressive performance. That's exactly what she did. She did it in the first round against a tough opponent. I I felt like the winner of that fight really could be a star in the division. And I think a star has emerged. Calvillo beat a very tough opponent in Botelho, uh, who is dangerous on the feet. I think she took the easiest path to victory. Uh, you know and for me as, as a coach as a fighter as uh, an analyst I think that's always the smartest approach uh, get in there and get out uh, expose the weakness of your opponent that's exactly what Calvio did uh, it was very dominant she had that bulldog choke then kind of transitioned to the back to, to make it a more traditional rear naked choke and uh, it, it was beautiful man
0: Few are going to be able to match her nastiness, that's for sure. I think Juliana Pena is the nastiest woman in MMA, uh, but I think Calvillo is certainly on that top ten list as far as the women's game is concerned. I think we all have fantasies of being commissioner for one day in any sport, and if I was UFC commissioner for a day and I got to do a few things, one of them would certainly be to have a stiffer penalty for fighters missing weight. Now, I don't know what you think should be the penalty for missing weight, Someone suggested on Twitter this weekend that the best the fighter can do after missing weight is a no contest, right? And I do believe in terms of the divisional hierarchy and and considering a strawweight win, the best Cynthia Calvillo should have been able to do this weekend, Kenny, is get a no contest. Now, yes, she gets a win, and I guess I'd be okay with the win if it wasn't considered a strawweight win after she didn't miss weight. So the 20% of the, of the purse or the 30% or whatever it is, certainly not enough. I don't know how much incentive there is for a fighter to compete, Kenny, if they know they can't get a W on the record after a malicious yeah. weight cut, right? So maybe that's one variable. But all I know is that Cynthia Calvillo shouldn't be spun forward in the division as if she has won a strawweight fight, and yet that ultimately is our reality and is what's going to be done. Listen,
1: it's not a terrible idea. The only problem is that people would bypass that by not even getting on the scale, right? They would just say, well, you know what? I- I'm not even going to weigh in. I'm not, yeah. and-, and that way, you know, I- I'm just not medically fit to, to go out there and fight. Uh, and, and perhaps that's how that would be the way around it. But I right. agree. Listen, a, a lot of these guys that are uh, are not making weight are going in there with a huge advantage. And a lot of people think, well, it's just one pound or a pound and a half. That is a huge advantage, just mentally, physically. Um, I always equate it to someone who just ran a, a, a marathon, and you say, you know what, uh, you know, oh, you only have one pound to go. Well, it's just like running a marathon. going, can you just run an extra like five, ten miles? <laughs> you know, you just did a marathon. It's not a big yeah. deal. Just, just go ahead and do it. It's, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is a very difficult thing to go out there and and, and execute on after you miss weight like that, and, and we saw yeah. the effects on Calvio. Um, luckily, she was able to compete. Uh, you know, they they saved her from uh, not not competing, and um, she went out there and won. And was that a huge factor? It could have been. It really could have been. So, yeah, but I- I'm sure Calvio is gonna you know get her get her crap together and and uh, and be fine for the next one. She was she she she's not the kind of person who's going to try to take advantage of that. In my opinion, she seems like uh, a professional and and not something that's going to happen consistently.
0: I just, I, I, I get texts from pro fighters and they all say just lack of discipline, six Mm -hmm. to eight weeks out, right? Every time this happens, I think one fighter just sends it to me on repeat. Oh, lack of discipline, six to eight weeks out. Right. So I agree with you. I think this was an eye-opening experience for her. And I think, She will go out and work hard to acquire the discipline eight weeks out to make sure she weighs 116 pounds. Because when you start to have a championship trajectory for some of these fighters, this becomes a part of the narrative as they build their way up. Right. And so can they count on Calvillo to repeatedly make weight? Um, I think so, you know. But this was obviously a misstep, but a huge win for her nonetheless yeah. uh, on Saturday night. All right, Ian Heinisch, a big win against Cesar Mutanchi Fajeda, and a lot of us were unfamiliar with the Ian Heinisch backstory, Kenny. I'm sure you guys brought it up uh, on television, just in terms of of the arrests and, and internationally, the time he spent in prison, remaking himself uh, into this just well rounded individual and martial artist, and and it, in what was sort of an overdue UFC debut. He gets a win as underdog against Cesar Mutanchi Fajeda. I think the more this D- Ian Hines story gets told, uh, the brighter his star is going to burn. You can go to theplayerstribune.com and, and find that story now. But he was a guy who picked up a lot of momentum during fight week because his story became sort of revealed to the public. And then he cashed off. On- on the fight card as well, Kenny. Big weekend for uh, for Mr. Heinisch.
1: Yeah, didn't just go to prison and went to Rikers, by the way. Which is... Yes. Uh, Shouldn't gloss over. Not your first choice, I think, as far as prisons, if you're going to go right. to prison. Uh, yeah, so it, j- just an amazing story for sure. Um, and w- what's also amazing, the fact that he took this fight on what, like 10 days? Seven days notice? Yep. Something ridiculous. Yeah, less than a week. Yeah, And he did this against uh, a guy in Cesar Fajada, uh who's been around the block for a very long time. And... Um, He actually was the guy who was fresher when it came down to the the latter part of that second round. And he just kind of took over. It was that toughness and that ability to battle back from adversity that I think really was the difference in that fight uh, against Mutanch. And, uh, you know, Tyron and I were talking about it, how uh, you have uh, Fajeda, who is a product, you know, a protege of Vitor Belfort. And he kind of he started off fast and kind of faded in a similar fashion to yeah. to a Vitor Belfort, and it was unfortunate to see that. Uh, I think that grinding style of Heinisch uh, was the difference, and uh, he scored some critical moments in those in that second and third round to uh, to take that fight.
0: All right, so a good card in Argentina. We will shortly get to the picks coming up for Beijing, but I wanted to get your thoughts briefly on UFC President Dana White shooting down the rumored fight. And I shouldn't say rumored fight, but the rumor of a potential fight between Conor McGregor and Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And obviously to no one's surprise, Cerrone went public with his desire for this fight, insinuated that he was just waiting for Conor McGregor to oblige him or to sign on the dotted line. A lot of people seem to jump on board in support of this fight, Kenny. I didn't think it made a a ton of competitive sense for Conor McGregor given where he is in in the lightweight picture right now Uh, and also given the fact that Cerrone's last 10 fights have all taken place at welterweight. He has lost four of his last six. Um, Your thoughts on that and ultimately Dana White shooting it down over the weekend.
1: Well, I got to say it's not... A terrible idea, and, and I'll tell you why. Listen, first of all, Cerrone said he wants to make one last run at 155 pounds. Right. Now that he's kind of had mixed results, and at 170 pounds, he wants to go back to 155 uh, and make that that last run in his career, uh, which I think makes sense on that level. Now, Cerrone has a huge fan base, and and I just don't see Conor McGregor doing a a fight, uh, you know a pay-per-view fight without it being another very big name or a marketable guy or, or a well-known face. Um, obviously the, his first option I'm sure is that rematch against Habib Ramagomedov. Um, but if you're going to build that fight and you want to, uh, give that fight between Ferguson and Habib as, as Dana has kind of alluded to that, that would probably be the first choice for them. Um, you know, a, a possible way for, uh, conor mcgregor to get back on track at 155 pounds would be to face a a guy like a cowboy uh cerrone but um You know, that's going to be a tough fight for Cerrone. I think it would be an exciting fight, but Cerrone has struggled against high-pressure southpaws. Um, Nate Diaz, Rafael Dos Anjos, um, guys like that are are going to give him a tough time. Uh, Darren Till, guys who can back him up. But um, I I would love to see the fight. Does it make sense for Conor McGregor necessarily? Maybe not in the grand scheme of things as far as giving him that, Uh, ability to get a rematch against Habib, but it it would certainly uh, be an interesting one to put him back on track and and to kind of get some fans back in there because I think a lot of people uh, who maybe weren't the biggest of uh, UFC fans saw Conor against a Mayweather, and they haven't seen him get a win in the Octagon at this point.
0: Right, right. And uh, maybe some wonder, how many bullets do you have in the chamber with Conor McGregor, but I think you're getting plenty of fights out of this guy. I don't think he's going away anytime soon, and it's not that I'm super down on that matchup necessarily. Mm -hmm. I just thought maybe a Nate Diaz trilogy fight or even yeah. a rematch against Dustin Poirier, but maybe the Poirier name doesn't sound out as loud as Cerrone. I don't know. I, I just, I, I do think for Connor, he's one win away, right? Any fight that sure. he is in that is not a title fight is a lightweight title eliminator, whether he's fighting number 15 in the world or a guy Cerrone coming back down who's unranked. So it's just going to take one win for Connor. I guess I was just surprised to see that that was something that had legs. And, yep. and who knows? Maybe Cerrone will end up on the short list. You never know. All right. Support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. So let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you will ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. Well, that's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. Here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home then once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. So either way you win, it's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash ANIC, rocketmortgage.com slash ANIC. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30 year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLS consumer number 3030. All right, we spin it forward to Beijing. To that end, we get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely
3: now. I
1: finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible
3: to
0: win. The main event challenge.
3: The John Anik and Kenny Florian
0: podcast. I think the hearing in the left ear is starting to go, Ken Flo. Why is that? all the IFBs. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, man. We're in trouble with all these electronics, you know, backpacks of audio hooked up to us all these years, you know. Going down swinging, Ken Flo, but it's not looking good. All right, so... 130 to 116 for Team Anik was the Yeesh. lead heading into the Argentina show. Ken Flo goes head-to-head with our guy Tony in the U.K. Florian wins the week, 6-4. You had Ponzinibbio to win by knockout. You had round three. Should have had it, uh, so you lost a point there. But the lead for Team Anik is now 12, 134 to 122. We head into the UFC's Thanksgiving weekend show, the rematch between Curtis Blades and Francis Ngannou, your main event at heavyweight. <laughs> And with us to make picks today, representing Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Eric LeBrec is with us. That's a power name right there, Eric LeBrecq. Good morning, sir. How are you, Eric?
3: I'm good, boys. How are you guys doing?
0: Eric LeBrec. I wish my name was like John Lebreck or something, you know. <laughs> I mean, I we could could really do something with that name. So, so Eric, you've been to about 15 live UFC events in 10 cities. You bet MMA regularly, which we really appreciate. Um, so you're pretty into this stuff. I kind of like your chances against the flow here today.
3: Uh yeah, man. I love it. So, I'm going to be at the UFC uh I think it's 2:32 in Toronto as well, so Nice uh on the floor as well. So yeah, I'm I'm very into it. And my brother's a fighter as well, so um we're both big fans and uh yeah, we always watch together, so
0: good stuff. Floor seats only, Kenfo. You gotta like that. All right, like. first fight for us at welterweight, the Leech. Lee Jing Liung, minus one fifty five favorite here against David Zawada, the plus one twenty five underdog. The leech is one five of six overall. Zawada stepping in here about three weeks notice, replacing the very talented Iligio Zaleski dos Santos. Eric, who do you like here? First fight up at Welterweight.
3: Um, so I'm not too familiar with uh, Zawada, but I saw he has a pretty good record. And uh, he has a decent size reach advantage, if the, if the numbers were right that I was looking at. Um, I've also, I like the leech, but uh, he seems to have some holes. So um, with the odds close, I'm going to take Zawada as the underdog for the points.
0: Gotta love, Eric, knowing the scoring system and everything else. So the German Zawada, Kenny, I know you learned a little bit about him this morning as well, fighting out of Dusseldorf, Germany. 0-1 in the UFC, lost the debut, split decision to Danny Roberts. That was the fight of the night back in July. The Leech, pretty good form over the last three years, the only loss to Jake Matthews. Some controversial moments for him in that fight. Uh, He would have been the underdog against Eliseo Zaleski Dos Santos. Instead, he's the favorite, Flow. Who are you backing, Lee Liang or David Zawada?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one as well. I, I think Zawada has a game that he could definitely uh, impose on Lee, Lee Jingliang, uh, but uh, i got to go with the leech. Uh, I, I think he gets it done. I think he's got a little bit more pop in his hands. Uh, I'm not sure if he can get the finish, but uh, I'll go with uh, the leech.
0: Ken Flo is backing the UFC-tested Lee Jingliang, one of my favorites. Give that man a microphone, you know? All right. Next up for debate here, Song Yadong. Song Yadong is the man. Actually, he's good. Song Yadong. I should probably say the boy. He was born December nineteen ninety seven. Man. Song Yadong minus wow. three fifty this weekend against your boy Vince Morales, who comes back at plus two sixty. Eric, what do you think, Song Yadong uh, or Morales?
3: Um, I have to go with Song Yadong here. He's just a stud. And i don't I don't know too much about Morales either, but I quickly just glanced over his record and I saw he lost on the contender series and his last win I think was in Bellator, but he beat a guy who was three and five so I don't really take too much off that win and song is a beast he trains with Alpha male if I'm right, so I gotta go with song Yudong here.
0: Song Yadong flow 2-0 oh in the UFC, stopped Felipe Anches, uh to win a bonus in what was his second UFC fight back in June after a huge UFC debut in Shanghai last Thanksgiving. Uh, and many believe, despite the fact that he can't drink in a bar for two more weeks, <laughs> that he is China's best hope for UFC glory, right? If you had to plant your flag, and some listeners hate when I use that expression, but if you had to back one horse out of China to win a UFC title... Um, the first name I think of right now is not Lee Jing Leong, it's Song Yedong uh, does have four losses on the pro record, Kenny, 18 pro fights before his 21st birthday, your thoughts on Song Yedong in this spot against the uh, Idaho-born wrestler Morales this weekend.
1: C- couldn't agree with you more um, I-, I think his win over and kind of proved that, uh, this is a guy who's very fluid, he's very composed he's very relaxed and um, I think he has a very well-rounded attack, and he's aggressive. He's he, he also balances that with patience, though. He's not just swinging in there wildly. I think for Morales, he just gets hit way too much. He's a little bit too jittery for my liking. For me, Song Yudong looks like a... a, a a veteran of the game. like He's been doing it for a very long time. The fact that he's not even 21 years old is is absolutely amazing. Um, just based on his age, his skills, his composure, his mindset, uh, I think this is a guy who could be a future champion, no doubt about it.
0: How do you get 18 pro fights before you turn 21? Man, yeah, he's won his last schedule. five. And Morales, as Eric mentioned, did lose a fight on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender this summer, and he's replacing Frankie Signs. He pulled out around November 7th. So not a ton of notice for Morales either, and I'm not sure the betting line reflects that circumstance. All right, co-main event. So Russian heavyweight Sergei Pavlovich making his UFC debut here. He will do so as a slight favorite. Minus 130 against Alistair Overeem. He's at plus 110, also out there at even money on my site. Uh, Eric, your thoughts on Pavlovich in this uh, debut this weekend against the demolition man Alistair Overeem?
3: Um, so, I mean... I'm a Russian heavyweight, he's got to be a pretty good grappler. Again, I, I'm on short notice, I don't really know uh, too many of these guys, which usually isn't the case for me. Usually, I'm pretty right. familiar with everyone, but uh, nine KOs as well, and Overeem, it's it's so tough to back that guy right now in the heavyweight division with... I mean, the guy's been knocked out so many times, and his chin just seems to be getting a little weaker and weaker. Obviously, Overeem, he can fight... When he fights tentative, it's, he has a tough style. Like You've seen even Junior Dos Santos... Like a lot of guys have trouble with him when he when he fights like that. So I, I do I don't think it's going to be an easy fight. I think it's going to be uh, probably a little boring, maybe even. But I I do believe Pavlich, uh, Pavlovich will get him out of there. So I'm going to take Pavlovich. Damn
0: it! All right, Sergey Pavlovich Ken flow not loving the fact that he can't pick up ground there. So 60 second professional MMA fight for Overeem. He would tell you it's probably 70 or closer to that. He's coming off back-to-back brutal knockout losses. Of course, Curtis Blades most recently before that. Francis Ngannou in that highlight for the ages. Flo, you see any value on Overeem here in plus territory, or are you going the other way with Pavlovich? Oh, without a doubt, I think Overeem
1: can win this fight. Um, I-, I wanted to pick up some points, some underdog points, and go with the Russian uh, Sergey. I-, I just think that with his overall game, his ability to trade, um, he, he's a high pressure fighter um, I, I think he can do some damage on Overeem, uh, again you look at just at where they are in their careers Overeem uh, can absolutely get it done very experienced um, but uh, yeah I, I, I agree with our guest picker, I think that um, Overeem's chin it certainly isn't what it used to be and when you get a guy who's as, as aggressive as uh, Pavlovich, I, I think that's a, a dangerous thing uh, to do in the pocket, so I'm gonna go with the Russian here as well. I think he gets it done.
0: All right, main event, the rematch between heavyweight contenders, Curtis Razor Blades, Francis the Predator Nganu. As many of you know, Francis Ngano won the first meeting. It was a doctor stoppage. It was in Croatia, April of 2016. To this day, Eric, it stands as the only blemish other than a no-contest on the record of Curtis Razor Blades, who is the minus 205 favorite here, Francis Ngano, the underdog, at plus one sixty-five. It is the main event, so we'll need the round and the method of victory. Eric, who takes the main event in Beijing?
3: Um, I think a lot of people are quick to write Nganu off. Um, Just his last two performances, of course, haven't been great. But, man, the guy's a friggin' beast. And, obviously, we all know MMA fans, very short memories. So, um, I I think he has a ton of good performances left in him, given the right matchups. But, this I don't think this is the right matchup. Like I don't know why they would give him another stud wrestler. I know he's beat Blades, but like I don't know why you would give him another grappler when the guy can just be a star if you give him str- the right matchups. And I, I don't think he's took enough time to work on his grappling and stuff. So uh, and Blades is just firing on all cylinders right now. So I'm gonna go with Blades here. I believe he will get it done by TKO in round four. With the First, ground
0: and pounds, TKO ground and pound round four. All right, Eric Lebret, good stuff, man. We'll we'll try to have you back on that pay per view uh, in Toronto so you can pick against the flow before you actually attend in person. Thanks for stepping up on short notice, man. Great job. Uh, thanks a lot, please. I look forward to it. Dude, the Canadians always bring it, man. I say yeah. per capita the best crowds in MMA, and I think on this show every time we've have a, had a Canadian guest picker. Um, they have outdone the, the Americans. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody likes to bang on the Americans, right? Like <laughs> They used to be the favorites. Now everybody's banging on the Americans, so I'm certainly not going to do that. All right, as far as this main event is concerned, Kenny, when we sat down with Curtis Blades in Chicago prior to the Alistair Overeem fight, he kind of intimated that he was ahead of schedule in response to a question as to how close he was to Stipe, who at that time was the heavyweight champion, and he's 27 years old. He's an absolute beast, yet he has not arrived even close to his fighting prime, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I think the Overeem fight was a huge step in in the right direction in terms of what he could do with ground control, in terms of blasting a guy's face through the canvas and everything else. Um, I think if he can finish Francis Ngannou this weekend, even though Curtis Blades has been the forgotten man to some extent because of Brock Lesnar and, and Stipe, I guess, to a lesser extent, Curtis Blades is right there. And this is a fight that he has wanted dearly. And he gets it this weekend. What do you think we're going to see here in Beijing? Well, I agree. Listen, I
1: thought Eric was teasing me here. I thought he was going to go with Angano. I I was like, yes, finally. But uh – yeah, listen, it's hard to it's hard to say that Ngannou is going to do something different than what he did against Derek Lewis. He was extremely tentative in that fight, and now here he is going against another guy uh, who can do the same thing that Stepe Miocic did against him. Now, uh, Ngannou's back is against the wall here, um, in my opinion. Um, this is going to be a huge mental hurdle, and I think we're going to find out what Francis Ngannou is all about in this fight. Um, does he cower? It does he still uh become hesitant in this fight against a guy in Blades who can both take him down and maybe hurt him on the feet. So yeah, I I think it's the right time to be fighting Francis Nganu. While I do think Francis Nganu is always gonna be dangerous based on his speed and power, I I do like Curtis Blades here. I I think uh he's gonna be able to take down Ngano, control him at the very least uh and you know what? I'll go a step further. I think Blades gets it done by TKO in round three. Round three.
0: Curtis Blades by TKO is the pick for Ken Flo. And in terms of, of promotionally how they're proceeding with Francis Ngannou, I know Eric touched on them giving him another wrestler here. I believe that they initially tried to make Curtis Blades against Stipe, if I'm not mistaken, but Stipe didn't want to take a, a non-championship yep. fight. And with all due respect to Francis Ngannou, He's not the guy calling the shots, right? If anybody's in position to call for this rematch and this fight, it would be the guy with all the momentum in the world, Curtis Blades, right? So I think in some respects, they wanted to push Curtis Blades forward, and he's getting an opportunity that I think on paper, based upon the merits of what he's done, he has richly deserved. So I'm excited to see it. And for Francis Ngannou, I just want to say before we go, at this time last year, 6-0 and in the UFC, right? I mean, it's amazing what a difference a year makes, right? 6-0 in the UFC, getting ready to face Alistair Overeem. So earned a title fight with that huge knockout of the Reem, then failed against Stipe, and then combined with the Black Beast flow to turn in just the stinker of all stinkers. And yeah. and now five months later, another chance for him to prove himself. I just—a lot of eyeballs on Francis Ngannou in terms of what he can do this weekend to avoid a third straight loss. I mean, it's crazy to think where this guy was, man.
1: Without a doubt, man. uh Mixed martial arts is an absolutely brutal sport, and we've brutal. seen it time and time again with guys that are at the very top of the mountain. Guys that have climbed even higher than Francis Ngannou. Uh, you know, you see the unfortunate circumstances that guys like Anthony Pettis, Chris Weidman, have found themselves in, from being champ to now, you know, dealing with a, a losing streak. It, it, this is the toughest sport in the world. There's no doubt about that.
0: All right, last thing. It came from a listener. What's the worst injury to wake up from? after a pro fight. And I think it's asked in the context of how Neil Magny's lead leg feels here on Monday morning, right? What is the hardest thing? I mean, you were never knocked out cold in competition. What's the hardest thing to, to wake up from, uh, the next day after a tough fight,
1: really for me, it, it's the leg kicks, um, because yeah. those things will linger and stay with you for at least a week or more. And certain, yeah. certain circumstances, um, just walking around and moving. It is absolutely brutal. um, yeah, i got to say leg kicks. So, uh.
0: But for you, after the Jose Aldo fight, it's kind of good because, like, purple skinny jeans, you didn't <laughs> need those for a week. Yeah, exactly. You just had fucking bruises. Exactly.
1: Know? Yeah, I, it, mine, it hurt so much it, it almost didn't hurt. It was just completely numb, so it was fine. Yeah.
0: All right, that's it for this week. 180 episodes in the can, and, and Ray Longo asked to be a, a full third partner, so we got to get together off the oh, air. Oh, jeez, You thought the $1,000 was your problem. Man. He wants 30, 33% of the company, right? See this? Right? So. Which is not a lot, but it's not nothing, right? It's not nothing, <laughs> 33% of the company, you know? Um, so we will talk. Thanks to everybody at Fox Sports for coming in, especially during the holiday week. I know some people are out. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, of course, from us to you, to everyone for whom that applies. So are you heading heading west? Are you heading back east? You I'll be west. here. What are you doing?
1: I'll, I'll be staying west. I, I kind of did a little uh, mini Thanksgiving in, in, Bo- in Boston with my family, and uh, I'll, I'll be doing another one here with some friends.
0: All right, so you can catch Ken Flo at rocky yeah. BJJ. Remember, walk in the door, tell them the Anakin Florian podcast sent you, and, yes. and ask them what they can do for you and see if it's anything. I'm getting on a plane with three children at 6 a.m. Oof. tomorrow, ages 7, 5, and 5 months. So I know thoughts and prayers aren't always sufficient, but I'll take your thoughts, I'll take your prayers. You know? I am in it tomorrow with three kids on an airplane. <laughs> I don't like JetBlue, and that's the airline, so... Thoughts and prayers from from y'all <laughs> to me. I, I'd appreciate it, that.
1: I was going to say, if it makes you feel better, Keith had to do that from oh. Boston to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And Why he's like, he on. goes, dude, it was an absolute war. He goes, it was a it, war. It, it so, yeah, get
0: ready, kid. I know you could do it, uh, you know. Yeah, dude, I did. I, these, these parents, I love y'all who take your kids internationally. <laughs> I remember Chuck Liddell. I was on a flight with him with his daughter, 14 months to uh, 14 hours to Australia and yeah. 15 months. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, what are these people doing? I mean, <laughs> I would, I, I would rather do a lot. I would rather cut a significant amount of weight than do an international flight with three children. I mean, tough, oh, dude, man. All right. Yeah. Thanks for your thoughts and prayers. We'll right back on Monday. We'll recap the China card and then look ahead to UFC doubleheader. So 10 picks probably from Ken Flo next week. We have UFC shows November 30th in Vegas, December 1st in Adelaide, Australia. Uh, with that, for The flow, I'm John Anik. Thank you all very much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Until then, may Rocky BJJ. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
1: networks wagering week help your bottom line
0: Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started In 1795 the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family and 229 years later Cuervo is still going strong family owned from the start same family same land Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo the tequila that invented tequila Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckel AB to CV, 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.